Hello and welcome listeners to bonus episode number eight of Journey with a Cinephile, a horror movie podcast. I am your tour guide here of David Garrett Jr. recording out of Columbus, Ohio. Now in this episode here, I briefly just wanted to kind of give you an intro here as to what's going on here. Is that Jamie, my fiance, and I sat down and watched Candyman from 1992 as well as the new Candyman from here in 2021. We watched both of them, as I was saying, and decided we were going to do a little bonus episode here to kind of give our thoughts on both movies, compare and contrast just a little bit, and, you know, kind of what we liked, didn't like, you know, things to that effect. I just wanted to kind of put up here right now that there are going to be spoilers, so if you haven't seen either of them, I would, you know, recommend checking them out before listening to this. If you don't really care, you can just kind of go on ahead, but I just wanted to give that brief warning here. I'm going to get you over to a very brief break before we get into, you know, both those movies there. But regardless, I hope you enjoy coming on this journey with us. And welcome back. On this bonus episode here, I know for a lot of things that I kind of relayed is that my fiance of Jamie hasn't watched a lot of the classics and that's been kind of one of my goals is to try to you know get her to watch more of those even though she's not the biggest fan of older movies per se. So with the movie that we're going to be covering here, we have a double feature for you, is with the new Candyman coming out, I decided that... I would pitch the idea of doing this podcast here where we'd watch the original one so she could be brushed up on it and we would go see the new one in the theater and that's what we did. So I have her sitting with me so I would like to introduce my fiance of Jamie if you want to say hello. Hey everybody. And so what we're going to do, like I said, we're going to do a Candyman double feature here. We're going to kind of ignore two and three. I've only seen the third one a couple of times. I haven't seen it all the way through or anything like that, at least to my knowledge. And if I have, it's been a long time. And then I've seen the second one, I know for sure, at least all the way through. And before we get into the actual movies that we're going to be covering here, did you know that there was a Candyman 2 and 3? No, I had no idea until just now. Okay. Well... That's why I raised my hand. I know. <laughs> um, <laughs> what I was kind of telling you about previously is that since Blumhouse is behind the new Candyman, they love to do these sequel reboot type movies which is what the new Candyman is it is ignoring Candyman 2 Farewell to the Flesh and Candyman 3 Day of the Dead got it okay but since those ones don't matter and what we're going to be doing here <laughs> I will introduce our first movie here which is going to be Candyman from 1992 this is directed by Bernard Rose who also wrote the screenplay and this is based on the Clive Barker short story of The Forbidden this stars Virginia Madsen, Xander Berkeley, and Tony Todd. This is a horror thriller film that is a co-production between the United States and the United Kingdom. And our synopsis for this one is The Candyman. A murderous soul with a hook for a hand is accidentally summoned to reality by a skeptic grad student researching the monster's myth. And I'm going to get you over to a very brief break for that trailer. Have you ever heard of Candyman? If you look in the mirror and you say his name five times. In cities everywhere. Candyman. They whisper his name. Right. Candyman. It's just a story. Candyman. Candyman. Just a ghost story. Candyman. <laughs> 
entire community starts attributing the daily horrors of their lives to a mythical figure. The legend first appeared in 1890. He was attacked, mutilated, and burned to death. Poor Candyman. <laughs> Helen, a woman died in there. Leave it. Everyone knows he isn't real. That's modern oral folklore. Everyone. Except Helen Lyle. Bernadette! It ain't safe around here. I don't scare too easy. Wanna know about Ruthie Jean? They ain't never gonna catch him. Who? Candyman. Who is that? I came for you. Do I know you? Now, she is about to discover. Helen? Mystery. I'm sick. What's behind the legend? Listen, he's under the bed! And most terrifying of all, come with me. What's behind the mirror? He's here. Candyman, you don't have to believe. Just beware. Okay, now with that out of the way there, uh, some of the initial thoughts here is, I'm going to turn this over to Jamie, and what did you think about this movie, and what did you like about it? I thought it was slow. I'm not going to lie. Um, I wish it would have delved deeper into the story and the, I don't know, where the origin of Candyman. I felt like I was missing a connection to any of the characters, really, except for the little boy. I can't remember his name. The Anthony. Cute, uh, no. And oh, no, no. You're talking about the one who... Who she... Who Helen actually gets to help her out, who is Jake. Jake, yeah. I thought Jake was adorable and really cute, but I just... I didn't feel like I had a connection to any of the characters, and I just felt like it was, it was very shallow okay. of a movie from what I would have wanted to see. Well, the interesting thing is I know when we were watching, I brought up that the Clive Barker story is not dealing with race. I don't think I've ever read it. I'm assuming it's one of his short story compilations, Books of Blood. I don't know which volume it is. But I believe the original story was classism, where there was a poor person that was going to marry somebody who was richer than them. And then I'm assuming some of the stuff happened to that character as well. I should read the story just because I am a big Clive Barker fan. So I do think that could be part of the reason as to why you're not necessarily getting the depth of the story is that Bernard Rose altered this from United Kingdom to Chicago, Illinois, where he incorporated race into this story here. So this is based off of a book? A short story. Short story. Mm -hmm. Didn't know that either. Yeah. Got it. Okay. Um, but is there anything you actually did like about the movie? Yeah, I liked the fact that you could see the progression you could see Helen and where she's starting as a grad student. I've been there before where you have no idea what you're doing. And she brings attention to that part of town. I I don't know if that's good attention or bad, but I like that she delves deeper. And you can see her transition from not knowing anything to being completely taken over mm -hmm. by this. So I did like that progression and the fact that you get to see her in a psych hospital and you it leads that element of, is she crazy? Is Candyman real? So I like that 
feeling behind it because a lot of movies now or I work in a psych hospital or have and you just can't tell what people believe to be true versus a lot of these people that's the reality so to see that played up I thought was really cool yeah I mean going along with what you're saying that's actually one of my favorite parts is that this movie if they would have just been a standalone there is a easy way to read this where there is no Candyman that Agreed. it's her. Now, I know some people would be like, well, there's supernatural things happening, like her escaping from the mental hospital. I feel like some of these, when you have an unreliable narrator is that, is that we're seeing this how it plays out. Not necessarily how it's playing out in reality, but it could be that she gets out where she just somehow gets into a room, knocks out the nurse, puts on her outfit, and then flees that way. But that's one of the things I find to be quite interesting, though, is that there is an easy way where you can watch this whole movie and think Helen has snapped because of what happens to her where she gets attacked by the Candyman, who's actually a murderer from Cabrini Green, where in reality is that once she gets attacked there, and then this whole urban legend thing is that she snaps and goes on a murder spree. Right, and you can even bring in the fact that her husband was seemingly cheating on her. Yes. A lot of these things, I mean could cause anybody to crack psychologically oh yeah and when you bring up the supernatural stuff you're also seeing how it's playing out in her mind yes exactly so you don't know like obviously it looks like Candyman gets ripped from the window mm -hmm. but she could have threw a book through something yeah and working in a psych hospital it's not as locked down as you would always assume it mm -hmm. should be so things happen well you also brought up an interesting thing with her husband is that he gaslights her quite a bit in this movie where he's like, oh, I was home the whole time. I was in deep sleep. I didn't hear you when you were calling from jail. There's also the time where she comes home hammered. And we get to see, I mean, the first time we get to meet him, I mean, he's, I don't blame him for teaching that lecture, even though he promised her because it would hurt her and her friend's paper. That I can forgive because he's- well, he has a, a curriculum to teach. And exactly. But there is that student there that's in love with him who ends up being the one that he ends up seeing when she gets locked away and everything like that. I feel like that is another thing that could make her snap where she knows something's up. And I'm assuming that he was her teacher at one point. So it, she knows his cycle where it's a thing where he's done this before. This is his MO. He's grooming his students for them to be potential things. It makes it a little bit easier to palette that he's probably what, like a 35 year old teacher. And I would assume she's probably like a 27 year old grad student where like he may, he might even be pushing 40 closer to that, but like there's some gray area over there, where she might even be younger than that. She could be 24 or something along those lines. And That's he might not have actually been a teacher of hers, but just because then again, this could also be the actors they have aren't that much different in age, so that might be why I'm getting messed up on the age difference, but it feels like there's something there. Well, as we were talking about earlier, I thought this movie was much older mm. than 1993, 92? Uh, I believe 92. Let me just, yeah, 92. So, I just thought it looked so much older, or maybe it's because I was so young in the 90s, but I just thought everything looked older, your character's... Are they that much in age different? You couldn't tell it. It is hard to tell when you get kind of that. Except for the student. The um, one that, yeah. The younger student. That one you could tell just by how they had her acting. So that was another thing I struggled with is I probably haven't seen a lot of movies from the early 90s, mm -hmm. to be honest, or horror films anyway. So what I'm used to, I just couldn't get into it. I didn't think the scenery or the effects or things like that 
didn't grab me, which mm-hmm. I know is something you're looking beyond for me, but... Yeah, no, that's, I mean, it's... I mean, for me, I've kind of steered away from some of the ones that really use, like, bad CGI. This one doesn't use any CGI, to my knowledge. If they do, it's very simple computer effects, because CGI didn't go through its boom until mid to late 90s. So this is still kind of early in it, where I think the effects here are good, and they went practical for it as much as they could, so that's where I appreciate it. So I think in terms of effects, I mean, like, clothing, hair, like, not so much of the... Candyman, those effects, because I thought those were pretty decent. Super gruesome. And there's one time I was like, that makeup is terrible. But that's also because, as for those who don't know, I do work in the healthcare field and I do work patients. And I know what dead bodies look like. I know what blood, like I, so for me, it's hard to detach from that. So there's a couple of times where I was like, that was bad. But I can, I can get beyond it because I know the year, but I just was more of the makeup and the age and their clothing and mm-hmm. I just it seemed like it was maybe more of a cheaper budget movie where they didn't have this um, separation between they were supposed to be living in the highfalutin mm-hmm. town and it just it seemed okay compared to not to do anything but for the next movie you could definitely see a difference yeah. and then something I wanted to circle back about was kind of the backstory here now they do give you who Candyman is as yes. a character named Daniel Robitaille, and that he was... I loved him. Yeah, Tony Todd's great. Like, he's a phenomenal actor. I got introduced to him because he is in the United Living Dead remake from 1990, so I grew up watching him as an actor and just completely thrilled with him. Doesn't hurt that he's a... From everything that I've heard from people who have met him, nice guy and everything like that, but what I was getting at is that he's like a six-foot-five guy who just looks the part when you're going to make him into right. an entity like you have here, just because he's an imposing thing. Got a great deep voice, so and for this... smile yep. is almost... It's luring, alluring, and then it's also menacing at the same yeah. time. So, I I mean, I thought his character was yeah. spot on. But we do get to learn that he was painting a portrait of a woman who was white, and that her father found out... I mean, way... Back in way, way back, back in, in the, the day, day, and that he impregnated her, they were going to run away together, and then he ends up getting murdered for what happens there, and that's where they do the whole thing where they cut off his painting hand to lodge a hook on it, and then cover him in honey, which is why there are the bees. And kind of going along with the game that plays here to summon him, did you ever play any of these type of games? I know, like, growing up for us, I don't remember us doing Candyman. We did Bloody Mary okay, in the mirror. Okay, I did Bloody Mary. I was always the person that, what, Bloody Mary's three times yes. or something. Yep. Yeah, I was out at two. Okay. I was... I think my cousin not, had I to do it once, and I freaked out. To me, these things are more paranormal, and I don't like That's fair. Paramor- paranormal things. So I avoid... So even in the movie when we were watching it, I was like, don't say it. Like, what if we all die because of it? <laughs> um, and I guess one other thing is that I've talked to you before that I love social commentary in movies. Now, I kind of want to talk a little bit about the social commentary that we have here in the original one. It's not as heavy-handed as they do in the newer one, but we do get some of it, especially when Helen is talking about how her condo has the same building set up as Cabrini Green had, where she realizes that... There is the tunnel behind the mirror, which explains how somebody came in and murdered, I believe her name was Ruthie Jean, Mm -hmm. and everything like that. And then they actually go to Cabrini Green to look at it. But they also talk about how they realized that where they had set up this ghetto wasn't going to work, so they 
built the same type of building, which is Cabrini Green, and then they used the highway as a natural barrier. And that was, you know, what kept the lower income people over in that area. Uh, what did you kind of think about the social commentary in this version? I don't think it was, it wasn't their first, um, what's the word? Um, it wasn't the first layer. Like it was, to me, hidden. It's more subtle. Be subtle. Thank yeah. you. Words are hard today. <laughs> Bachelorette party this weekend. I'm just still recovering. But it wasn't in your face. It was, it was, yeah, very subtle. And it was one where you could easily gloss over it if you weren't paying attention. Yeah. And I think a couple of years ago watching it, I don't know if I would have noticed it mm -hmm. as much just because of the privilege that I have had in my life. But in today's world, you can really like see it and pick it out more. Mm -hmm. And also you have to think about when it was made. Was that Would people have watched it if it would have been more progressive? Probably not. I mean, that's that's actually a very good question. Probably not. And I mean, because there's also the subtle thing here where they talk about how Ruthie Jean, when she's being murdered, is her neighbor, calls the police, the police don't show up. And then she ends up getting killed. And then when Helen gets attacked, though, the police are there extremely fast. Right. So, I mean, another thing, very subtle, but this is something they're bringing up that... You know, a white woman comes to the projects, gets attacked. The cops are going to be there in a heartbeat to save her. When you have somebody who's living in this low-income project, another person dead type thing where they're not going to kind of do anything. But I definitely agree with you. It's much more subtle. I know a lot more people prefer that. They don't prefer the more in-your-face type thing because it's... It makes people uncomfortable. It does. And I also think some people like to draw their own conclusions from it where if it's more in-your-face, it's... Because, I mean, I don't hated as much as some people but like black oh. christmas oh. that we watched in theater very similar where it's in your face and i didn't necessarily enjoy it as much because i think it went way too heavy-handed well it doesn't leave anything open yes. for a little you can take people down a road but you it's nice to be able to make your own conclusions. Agreed. yes exactly every it's, once in a while yeah um was there anything else you wanted to kind of go through for the likes for the movie I think we've covered it. Okay. Um, was there anything else that you didn't like about the movie? I think we covered I didn't dislike the movie. It's just, it's not my style. Okay. It's, it's a little slower paced, and I'm probably, don't hate me, but I'm used to the glitz and the glam of the newer movies. I think it's good for the time. Yeah. I just, I wanted to know more about Candyman. Yeah. I mean, I did have an issue that I was going to bring up is... I could be wrong on this, so if I am, somebody correct me. But I have an issue where in this movie, the baby Anthony disappears. And then it ends yeah. up being that candy man. They say he's gone for a month. I don't buy this baby could be kept alive by Candyman for 30 days. And he's a younger... It's not like he's... No, he's... He's, he's I mean, younger. He's like six months old. I... I Honestly, for, uh, to, that to me is a minute detail, and I had see, no that, idea. But see, this is one of those things, having watched it probably like in recent memory, like watched it all the way through two or three times, it's just something where I'm like, don't buy it. And it kind of, I feel like this whole movie should have taken place over like two weeks. But she was also in, Helen was in the psych hospital mm -hmm. for a month. So that's where I think they drew it out that Candyman had the baby because she was in the psych hospital for a month. They finally took off some of her meds so she could wake up and be fully mm -hmm. conscious, and then she got out and then found the baby. Right. So I think that's where they do the whole month. I agree, it's not great, but I, I understand think that's... why they did it. But 
I don't like it because I don't feel like it's realistic that the baby would have been. Most of the movie's not realistic. I can buy the supernatural elements because they're playing within their own universe with them and they're not violating type of stuff there. I also don't like the ending. The fire? The fire's good. I don't like where she becomes the new entity and her husband says her name five times in the mirror and then she appears to him. I don't like that. I honestly forgot about it. I don't... It is forgettable. I don't like it. I don't think it fits and it doesn't make a whole lot of sense to me. But then it changes completely Candyman because now it's... Exactly. Helen. Exactly. And then the whole thing was that he is going after her because she gets the Candyman killer in the area arrested and tells people that he's not real. And he is kind of predicated on fear, much like like a Freddy Krueger, where if nobody's afraid of him, he doesn't exist. So he needs to have that fear to be there. Mm-hmm. That makes sense. So that's where I just have an issue personally with the ending for me. Um, is there anything that you'd like to change about this movie that you think could make it potentially better? Sound like a broken record, but just delving more into the Candyman synopsis. Who is he? Like, I'm a detailed person, so that to me was more important. And then, not really, I think. Okay. But that would be my only complaint issue recommendation, if you will. Fair enough. Okay, um, yeah, I don't really... I mean, I've kind of already said I wish they would have done something more with the ending. I would like to read the short story to see how much is pulled from that and to see kind of compare and contrast there. That could be our next round. Two movies, remake, okay. and, and then, then the book. And then read the short story <laughs> together. Is there anything else that you kind of wanted to say for this movie before we jump over to the 2021 version? No, I think I'm good. Okay. So... Let me go ahead and get everybody over to the trailer real quickly, and then I will go through the kind of stats for that movie here. Candyman. The urban legend is, if you say his name five times while looking in the mirror, he appears in the reflection and kills you. Who would do that? Candyman. 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 Well, we're still alive. <laughs> Let's go. Trina, you've broken the door. This isn't funny! I feel really connected to this neighborhood. Cabrini Green it was the projects. I just moved in around the corner. The old candy factory. I'm an artist. You look up a candy man. He's the monster. It's part of this neighborhood. Why are you drawn to this? I'm hoping to spread the story all about Candyman. The mirror invites you to summon him. You should say his name. I dare you. Candyman. 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 Don't say that. Candyman. I think I made a mistake. I brought him back. Candyman isn't real! Something's happening to me. Ah! 
He had a purpose for you to be another one of his terrible stories. I guess he found me. I am the writing on the wall. The sweet smell of blood. Welcome back once again, and for this one we have Candyman 2021. This is directed by Nia DeCosta, who also helped write the screenplay along with Jordan Peele and Wynne Rosenfeld. This stars, and I am apologizing if I butcher any of your guys' names, but it's Yaya Abdul-Mateen II, Tayana Paris, and Nathan Stewart Jarrett. Nailed it. Um, this is a horror thriller film that is a co-production between the United States and Canada. And then the synopsis for this one is a sequel to the horror film Candyman from 1992 that returns to the now gentrified Chicago neighborhood where the legend began. And then kind of to jump in this one here, what did you kind of strike you about this one and what did you like about this movie? I loved, because I had even asked you before it started, I was like, is this a reboot? Is this a sequel? And you said, yes. So I wasn't sure how much detail was going to play in from the old movie. I wasn't sure either. I knew that I had heard that this was going to be, you haven't seen it yet, but we plan on watching here in the near future, the Halloween films to get you prepped for the newest one coming out. That's right. This is kind of those sequel reboots where it's they're kind the of... the same, but it's... They're doing the same, same story. This one's a little bit different because this one does do its own story. But then it is a sequel to the original one because it is taking elements, and there's quite a bit of elements, actually, as I got to the end. What I really liked about this movie is all the little cookies that it took from... Easter eggs. Easter eggs. (laughs) Again, brain cells missing. All the little Easter eggs that it took from the previous movie, like um, Anthony... Am I allowed to say it? Yeah, I'm going to have... I've already, already put in the intro that I haven't recorded yet peeking behind the curtain that I was already going to say I'll put a uh, spoiler warning okay. there so everything here you're good to say whatever you want to like Anthony our main character is a painter there's so many similarities yep. between him and the Candyman, and then his mom in this movie is his mom in the old movie yes or version one yep just there's so many things and he goes into a deeper uh, synopsis of who Candyman is and it to me it made more sense and I got the reason to why Candyman existed. All about these killers, or not killers, but kind of. All these... More of their... They're more martyrs, is that this one kind of... Because I had issues early on because it felt like they were taking the lore from the first movie and then changing it to do something completely different. Especially because this one starts off where we learn about this man named Sherman who was the Candyman, who was just somebody, I think he might even been a little bit slow, but he had a hook for a hand. Not like a hook, like a weapon, but like, he's from the 1970s, so it was when you it's lost a prosthetic. A, yeah, yeah, exactly. It's an old style um, upper extremity prosthetic, because it had the, there's like a hook with it, like two hooks that acts like a finger so you can grab stuff. Right. So they have him where some kids are getting candy with razor blades in it. So the police believe it's this guy who is the candy man giving stuff, giving treats out to little kids. This is not brought up at all in the 1990 version. So I was like, could be something. We're doing stuff. But then they do something at the very end where I'm forgiving of it 
to an extent because I'm like, okay, I understand why this is ignored in the previous one because yeah. that's my problem when you kind of do prequel stuff because... It's all in the same movie, too. It's hard. Right. But um, I feel like most of our stories, like Freddy Krueger, Michael Myers, they all have a backstory. Mm-hmm. And this this remake, reboot, whatever, I got that. So for me, I had like not a connection with the Candyman, but I knew why he existed and why fear was so important to him. So I thought that was cool. I thought the music was good. Yes. And this movie made me appreciate the first movie better because they tied it into it mm-hmm. together. Like you, Anthony's listening to a recording of Helen speaking and everything. Yes. And then you see how it ties in. So to me, this clicked it. And I didn't have to guess. I didn't have to think really that hard about it. I just got to enjoy the movie. Mm-hmm. And then it made me think back on the original Candyman to be like, oh, I understand why he did this, or it makes me see it in a different light. So for me, this movie had more of that clarity too. Okay. Yeah, and I mean, I could definitely agree with that. This one does kind of delve much more into the the lore, like you were saying. And I mean, this one also is also going to parlay into the social commentary that this one has, as this one has a much deeper social commentary on everything. And it's much more in your face. I can see some people not liking that. If you don't like commentary in your movies, you're not going to enjoy this one, I think. Because, I mean, this one is dealing where Cabrini Green in real life has been torn down. Now, some of those smaller buildings that we saw in this one are still there because they actually filmed those on location. real life. Yes. Okay. I was like, like, in their real life? (laughs) Cabrini Green was literally torn down, but those smaller buildings that were like apartments Mm -hmm. are still there at the moment from what I read. So what they're literally talking about is how the area has now been gentrified. And there is some heavy-handed comments that are made. The movie does well at being like, if you thought that way, then you're also kind of being, like you're seeing it kind of in a racist way potentially. I think it's creative what they're doing there to an extent sometimes. And also, I do think it does go a little bit heavy-handed at times. It does. Not as bad though because I was not rolling my eyes. And more of my issues are... What I've kind of already delved into a bit are changing the lore of things. That's fair. I I really like this movie. Yeah. I really like it's not my favorite one, but I accept it. I'm not mad I went on a Tuesday. Like, <laughs> like on Tuesday night. Like that was a good night to go, but the social commentary I I enjoyed the fact that it went multiple ways. It wasn't always like a race issue. It wasn't always like white versus black, but we had um a gay couple in there that you could see like a lot more so it wasn't just one direction and I thought if you're offended by it or just rolling your eyes at it I I thought it was tastefully done for the most part Mm -hmm. just on we don't have a lot and with the times of the world right now especially it was going to come out last year Mm -hmm. I think yeah it could have been better worse I don't know only we would have known if it came out last year but I definitely think it was it made me think deeper yeah. about a lot of things. So pretty awesome that a movie can make you think that. And I'm still yeah. excited about the Candyman. Like, I think that's pretty good. I know there was something that we were talking about at dinner and I was kind of telling us to hold off about it. I know you said you'd brought up an issue with this one character who runs the laundromat, William. Oh, yes. Now you had an issue where he creates, you already brought up how Anthony was the baby from the first one. So there's a lot of stuff tying back in there with it. But you kind of had an issue with 
William turning or directing Anthony to become Candyman. And I had made the fact, I stated the fact that like he was marked as a victim, much like Helen was, and that his destiny was always pushing him to go back to that area and to become Candyman. And I think a lot of that comes from the fact that goes back to the social commentary actually which is why i wanted to bring it up here is that william is still living in that area he's one of the last few people to still be living there and he's terrified of the gentrification he's worried about it that the fact that everybody's being pushed out everybody's leaving and everything like that he wants to create Candyman as a way to save black folks that are still living in the area make people fear him again and to use that as a way to save their community from being pushed out of there and everything. Which is where, like, once I kind of connected those dots, I really like that idea. And it kind of goes back to the whole thing where, near the end, where we have him fully changing into Candyman. But then you see him become the other people that were also Candyman throughout the years were like, Sherman was a martyr. He didn't actually do anything, but then the cops killed him. And then we also get to see through the shadow puppets, the boy on the bicycle, who ends up getting murdered he becomes a Candyman. And we get to see with the Shadow Puppets how all of them rise up. And it's the evil that is created from unjustly killing Daniel Robitaille way back when that he is giving them their voice in order to get their revenge for what has happened to them when it's wrongly happening to them. And I mean, I almost think there's a little bit of Breonna Taylor here where they bust into that place where he's you know dying in his girlfriend's arms and Anthony is murdered. They don't even give him a chance. But I don't know what you kind of thought about that whole... From that perspective, absolutely love it. think it's wonderfully played out. I just really liked Anthony. Yeah. I really liked him as a character. And just because you're destined to be something, I just don't think... I just felt like um, William mm-hmm. just shoved him in there and like cut off his hand. Like That had to have been painful. And... He just made it and brought in, um, William brought in Anthony's girlfriend and, like, tortured her, too, even though he didn't, like, hurt her, but that was still awful for her. I just felt like it seemed, like, why did other people have to be involved? I don't know. Maybe that's just me being more of a feelings person, but... No, I mean, I get what you're saying, but I think the one thing to kind of also factor in is that before he even met William, Anthony was getting sucked into it. And I think part of that is Candyman drawing him to him. Oh, absolutely. I think people go after what their destinies are. I just yeah. also think either you get shoved into it quicker. Because if he's going to become Candyman, like, he's going to become Candyman. Yeah. I mean, William is a villain here. Like, he's not... Oh, okay. I was making sure. I was like... No, I'm not saying that William good. is justified in anything that he's doing. I'm just saying is that I still feel like Anthony would become Candyman regardless. I just think William has sped up the process okay. by filling in the backstory and then literally turning him into Candyman. But, I mean, he was also already turning because he got the bee sting that made his arm, you know, go necrosis yeah. and then have, like... Necrotic. Necrotic. Oh, that's okay. Sorry. No, Health you're fine. professional. <laughs> and almost looking like burns, but also looking like honeycombs, which I think is kind of a cool thing to kind of... And, I mean, another thing, kind of going back to the Breonna Taylor thing, is, like, the whole mantra with her is, you know, say her name so people don't forget about it. And that's the minor tagline for this movie is say his name where say my name I think isn't it uh, yeah it's some along those Something lines where th- and that's also the way that you 
conjure up Candyman as you have to say his name and everything like that. Is there any other th- good things that you wanted to kind of delve into for the movie? I think we covered most of it. Um, what did you think about the mirror aspects for the killings? As in, like, he could see himself not... Only where you could see him in the mirror and I everything. I thought that was cool. I thought it makes for some good effects. I think it's a little bit problematic at times. It's it's not perfect. Yes, okay. Yeah, that's... But I thought it was cool because, especially when he's in Finley's apartment... Mm-hmm. And he's looking at himself, and he realizes that he is Candyman. Yeah. And you can see, like, the fear. I thought that was a really cool effect. But then, to me, it gets a little confusing when someone's being stabbed. Because then it's like he's a ghost. Yeah. But is he a ghost, or is he in the mirror? But then he's not. So, to me, that was not... Con- confusing is not the right word, but it's one where it just goes... I'm it's not a little bit problematic. Of, yeah, where does he live? I'm not sure. Yeah. Is he ever in person? Because... Anthony, she can see him not in a mirror or anything like that, so... Well, I think in this version, they're trying to say that Candyman exists in this mirror world. That's why there's, like, the bees that are hitting the glass and they but can't get out. I think only to Anthony. But he's killing everybody in the mirror world, but he's able to kill us in the real world through the mirror and everything. Because, like, the ones at the art gallery, you see him dragging them across the floor, and the only time you can see him is through the mirrors yeah. as he's doing everything, is that... He can move in our world. We just can't see where he's like at. A ghost. Yeah, exactly. I mean, it's so that's where I was like, oh, it could be, it could, it could go either way. But I think if you don't think too hard about it, you're like, oh, sweet. Yeah. Cool. Effect. I mean, it makes for some good effects. There's some CGI that wasn't always so great there, but I think of the film screen. Yes. When it fell. Yep. So I would say, other than that, I think for the most part, the practical effects they use here is good. I, like I said, I like the way they made Candyman look. We kind of touched a bit on the first one that we liked the acting, especially from, like, Tony Todd. And, I mean, I thought it was a good cast in the original. Like, what did you think about the cast in this newer one? I like that they used some of the characters from the previous movie. Like, his mom and Candyman. I thought that was... It's just a sweet touch. Yeah. Other than that, I thought the lead actress that plays Anthony's girlfriend, Mm -hmm. I thought she was absolutely stunning... I thought she acted the part well and was very convincing. Yeah. And to me, these were real people. Like, they interacted how, like, if you threw a glass or broke a mirror oh. near me and I went to my friend's house, similar conversations of what would happen. Yeah. So you had to see that interaction that I thought, they seemed like they had good chemistry. Yeah. No, I, and also something we haven't brought up yet is, it's interesting is that, I think her name is Brianna. Her father was also an artist who was tortured and killed himself. And then her brother calls her out on it about how you don't have to save every artist that has... So there's also that kind of interesting duality there where it's almost her dating her father or at least somebody who has similar issues and it's like you're trying to correct the sins of the past. So I thought that was another good touch that she got mixed up with a guy who was holding it together. I mean, he has his own issues where he's upset that he was a promising young artist, up and coming, next big thing, and kind of fell off a bit. So he is dealing with, you know, that whole, I might be failing here. Right. I I mean, I like this movie. I thought there was some humor in it. Small details that really made it. Yeah. But I I thought everything was pretty good on that aspect. Uh, Was there anything you didn't like about this version? Some of the things, like the bee sting. Mm Mm-hmm. Maybe that's because it wasn't played up in any other movies because you actually learn about Candyman from 
Anthony's perspective, not yeah. just the victim's perspective. That one, I was like, it seemed a little far-fetched that the bee stung him and then it turned into these burn honeycombs. Yeah. I get it. I just... Yeah. No, I, it's... It, I thought it was a good visual effect in terms of you could see it taking him over. So at first it was just a yeah. bee sting. That's kind of like planting the seed. And then it goes up. It's kind of like the curse is growing on him. Yeah. Like but it, I, I get what you're coming from. It was from. fine. Yeah. It was just one where I was like, I mean, I could have done without that. And then mm-hmm. there was some, I don't like gory things mm-hmm. a lot. So there are some things like he's getting his hand cut off and that just, I prevent patients from getting hurt more. So <laughs> that was hard for me to do that. Okay. But other than that, I had a couple of jump scares, which to me, that's a, that's a scary movie as if there's jump yeah. scares. So I thought that was more, it was more up my alley in terms of that. Okay. Yeah, I really don't think, I think I've kind of delved into all of my issues with it. I mean, this is definitely setting itself up for a sequel where we have, you know, like, well, I mean, it was number one in the box office, so that usually is a good indicator that if a horror movie, especially one like this, does that well, especially, I believe this is part, this is from Blumhouse, who they usually give... Too. They yeah they give a they're usually ones where they know how to work their budgets and work within that so if a movie does well like a paranormal activity or like I'm drawing a blank on the other movie that they did like is that why there's so many paranormal activities well they're such so they have such a small budget and they're so and they made so much money that it's easy to keep pumping Got them out it. because okay. it doesn't take much. They did another one where they tend... Oh, they did the Purge movies. So it's one of those things where, like, they put smaller budgets towards stuff. Like, they know how to work within their confines. So it's easier for their movies to turn profits where they can turn around and make more movies. So, like, I give them credit. They have a great business model that's similar to, like, Hammer, which I've been telling you a lot about. Or, like, actually, it's, like, a much better scale of, like, Roger Corman, who used to just pump out four or five movies, like every year at least to try to like turn profits and everything like that so i respect what they're doing um was there anything you kind of would change about this movie i don't think so for the most part i've kind of talked about everything those are minor details to me yeah i mean i really kind of i think also touched on it i just wish they would have made the lore be more in line with the original one a little bit more i like what they're doing with it but they're also introducing some stuff that doesn't necessarily work for me But, and I mean, a lot of it is, I understand what you're doing is you're trying to make a movie that could stand on its own while also being a sequel. So I'm not going to harp too much on it. And like, cause I'm not even finished writing my written review of this movie. And so far it is very positive on what I'm doing. Mm -hmm. I guess, is there any other last thoughts that you wanted to kind of delve into for this movie? Not really. I was excited to watch this, what, a year ago? Yeah, I think um, we first started seeing trailers for it when we had like a soft the... reopening of like theaters where we went a couple times. Yeah, I really like the puppets and... No, the puppets the, are great, yeah. The way that they tell a story without any words and you can see like the hurt and the yeah. pain and everything that's been going on in our world that still is very true today. I mean, this isn't a new topic. Right. So I thought that was a good way to grab people and then bring it home. Like, this isn't a made-up story. Right. Well, okay, Candyman is, but... But it's taking real elements to... Come almost positive one of the Shadow Puppet stories that they're doing is Emmett Till. It, it is, and there's another... I can't remember. I'll have to look at it, but there's a couple of more popular ones, and these are things that we never really talk about but we need to, and I thought that was a great way to do it without even saying anything. Oh, those shadow puppet things, 
it's actually kind of interesting because it's Billy as a little boy mm-hmm. has those shadow puppets and everything like that. That's right. But that's very chilling, especially what they do in the movie for the end credits where I love at the end of it where there's like five or six Candymans that pop up and it's everybody who's been wronged taking on that mantle and that anybody who's been wronged or anybody that's been martyred can be Candyman and get their vengeance for their wrongdoings. Yeah, and at the end of the movie, Candyman even saves his girlfriend. Yeah. Like, she calls on him, she's scared, and maybe it's not right, but... But I also kind of think there is... He tells her to tell his story, almost, where he wants to spread the fear, which is, I mean, self-serving, because Candyman needs to survive on fear. Like I said, almost like Freddy Krueger, is that if you're not afraid of him, he doesn't exist. But it's also a way for her to save herself from the precarious situation that she was put in against her own will. Right, because that cop is just a straight-up dick. Oh, yeah. Some of the things he was asking her to do was not even perverted ways, but, like, how messed up that... That they're saving his buddy. And, I mean, that goes back on to all the issues we've been having, oh, probably for a very long time, but it's definitely more brought into light more recently. I thought that was a good tie-in from the story into what's current in our own society. Alright, so I guess really my last thing is to kind of wrap this up is... Now I'm assuming we already know which one you liked better. Oh, can you guess? (laughs) I mean, if you were going to give them, like, a grade, what would you... This part. I know you do. You don't have to give, like, a definite one. Like, what would you give the original one? I would say a B. Okay. Can I do letters you can do that. And what would you give then this new one? I would give it more of that A minus. Okay. It's, I don't know. I haven't met my top. Like, The Ring is my favorite horror okay. movie. Like, stuff That's like that. One. Like, those are the ones where I need to be, I don't know, just different thinking about it. To me, this, I thought it was an A movie. Yeah. Now, am I going to want to watch it all the time? No. So, maybe if that takes into consideration. I mean, for some people, I mean, everybody has their own scale. Like... There's some for me that are so powerful that I'll give it like a 9 or a 10. But I also know it's a movie that I can't watch but once every five years or so, if that. Because I just know that I'm going to feel dirty afterwards or it's just going to really affect me where I don't want to feel that way every time I watch it. And there's some that I just love because it has rewatchability. So everybody has their own scale. Everybody has their own way of kind of determining things. I'm pretty sure I'm sitting at a 9 for the original Candyman. Really? I don't think this one's that far off. I don't have, like I said, everything finalized with my review yet because I like to get my thoughts down on paper and then tally up my scores because I do everything out of 10 and then I have certain things designated to certain points and everything like that. The lowest I'll probably go is going to be an 8. I'm more realistically probably sitting on like an 8.5 for this movie just because there's the some one. things that, yes, for the okay. new one, it ticks my box. Like, I don't think it's as good as the original. I don't think it's that far off, though. I can understand why some people won't like this version, and I'm not going to hold that against anybody. But for me, the commentary and what they do, I have to take off some points for some minor issues here and there, but it'll they'll be very comparable to each other in score. Where I'm going to give a slight nod to the original one just because... It's more of the original story, and this one is kind of taking from that one. So that's... I think that's fair. Okay. Then, do you have anything else you kind of wanted to say before we wrapped up? Nope. Just a shout-out to my niece, Amelia, and my nephew, Jonas. 
Auntie J loves you. You'll probably hear this episode in like 10, 15 years when your mom deems that you're old enough to watch these movies finally. Oh, probably. <laughs> well, we'll just play them this part because she'll... Amelia... Jonas doesn't care about anything except for food, but Amelia will be so excited. That's true. Well, then... I don't really have anything else that I need to do here, so what I will say is that whatever you do today, I hope you're safe in doing it. I'm not going to do my normal kind of outro, but I will say is that this is David Garrett Jr., and I am signing off.